This is Spinal Tap is a 1984 mockumentary about a fictional British heavy metal band on a North American tour. The film helped usher in a genre satirizing serious films. It was added to the U.S. Library of Congress as an important work. It also popularized lines such as, give me some money, and this goes to 11. You see, most, most blokes are going to be playing at 10. You're on 10 here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where mm. can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Spinal Tap is regrouping, but not for the reason you may think or hope. The band is reuniting in a Los Angeles court to sue Vivendi, the distributor of the 1984 cult film, for $400 million. Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Rob Reiner joined Harry Shearer's lawsuit demanding damages for anti-competitive and unfair business practices, as well as fraudulent accounting. A Vivendi spokesman declined to discuss the lawsuit, saying the company doesn't comment on ongoing litigation. Our guest is prominent intellectual property litigator Terence Ross, a partner at Catton Muchen Rosenman. Terry, tell us about the lawsuit. Well, June, unfortunately, this is a very common lawsuit in Hollywood, the film and the music industry. And it all starts with a mistake that the guys in Spinal Tap made many years ago when the deal they made was based on getting a share of the net revenues, in other words, the profits from their work. Nowadays, the better represented talent go for a percentage of the gross, which is a relatively easy thing to determine, to calculate, and to keep straight. Whereas these net deals from the old days are very hard to get a fair shake out of. And fundamentally what they're saying is, yep, we didn't get a fair shake from Vivendi. They are doing different things. They're calling fraud that are loading up on the cost side so as to reduce the net that gets distributed. Terry, some of the numbers, uh, at least as alleged, are, are pretty remarkable. I, I, the, the lawsuit says that the companies say that Vivendi says that the total share, the creator's total share of worldwide purchasing in income from 1984 to 2006 was $81. I saw that. I thought there must be a typo there. There was something supposed to be after the 81. Can that possibly be, be the case? I don't think so. And, you know, that wasn't the only allegation that grabbed my attention. There's another allegation in there that the Spinal Tap guys have not received an accounting in three years. Normally, these statements come out quarterly with a check. So something clearly is going wrong here. But let me lay out how it could actually get to $89. And it's very simple. If you take every expense that your business incurs and you book it, as an expense for the spinal tap marketing costs, then the net revenues coming out, even if they are $400 million, are going to come down to a very small amount. And it is a very common gimmick that's done when you have net deals of this sort. All types of expenses, whether they're marketing or other things, get booked to that account, bringing down the net and eliminating any uh, need to distribute profit to the creators. Terry, we've seen a lot of these lawsuits going way back, but what about the punitive damages? 
One of the causes of action being alleged is outright fraud, that the folks at Vivendi simply are engaged in a fraudulent scheme. It's more than just an accounting action where we want to true up the books and figure out what the right number is, saying that they took, they willfully took steps to defraud them. And under California law, if proven to be true, and if that fraud is intentional, they would be entitled to punitive damages in order both to punish uh, the defendant here and to deter future people from engaging in sort of conduct. And it could be very substantial, three to four times the amount of the actual damages. Terry, I, I guess these four are suing as the creators of uh, of the film, if I'm understanding it correctly. I, is that is it sort of typical that it's the creators of the film who are involved in these disputes? Do, do other people like the actors, for example, also have agreements where they get a, a portion either of the net or the gross uh, revenues? Absolutely. In this case, the four are suing as the original copyright owners for having developed the script and the music, and then they license that copyright off for um, a mistake on their part, 40% of the net. But talent, pure talent actors and actresses, also will do deals. They more commonly do a percentage of the gross, um, and you see this with um, the major talent in all the leading movies in the United States. They'll get a set fee of a few million dollars and then one point against the gross. Terry, they're also asking for certain rights to the film, including trademarks on the band's name and the name of Shearer's character. Is that unusual and hard to get? Uh, it, it's not unusual. What is unusual is that, as the lawsuit makes clear, Vivendi and the predecessor companies failed to take certain actions with the United States Trademark Office and overseas trademark offices to protect these names and to obtain the rights in them. And so essentially the guys are, are suing to obtain back the right to go to the trademark office and register the names themselves. It, again, is one more element of a story that describes a completely inept management of the film and, and the possibilities to earn money off of the film. And, Terry, you said that these kinds of disputes are very common. Uh, do they usually go to trial, or do we have, can we hope that we'll have a really interesting trial over Spinal Tap, or, or is the settlement more likely? <laughs> that would be fun to watch. Um, but unfortunately, almost all of these settle. Once the forensic accountants get into the books and start sorting out what the defendant did and how they moved the monies around, it becomes clear real quick that the case would settle. And then it becomes mostly a negotiation. Um, very few of these will ever go to trial, which would be a great thing to watch. It would be very fun to see the inside accounting maneuvers that these film companies and music companies um, engage in. Thanks for being on Bloomberg Law, Terry. That's Terrence Ross, a partner at Catton Muchen Rosenman.